to Voice Imprint. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. My name is Joy Kitanga Dash Dabo, and I am so glad to be here. And I remind you, Dash is not my last name. It is just simply the way that I get to have fun and get to bother my husband a little bit and keep my marriage going. I hope you are doing fantastic and great wherever you are. Thank you to all of our listener, our supporter, our, our, what can I say, our, our friends that are out there that are listening and supporting this ministry. May God bless you. Today, I am so excited about this episode that I'm going to be sharing on suffering. May you take your pen, your paper, and we're going to dive right into after this. See you soon. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about suffering. Suffering. It's one of those words that... I would say that we shy off or we just don't know how to deal with this word or the situation itself when it comes to suffering. We as a people, as human beings, as creatures, we just don't know how to deal with this word called suffering. And uh, even when we read the Bible, it's we we barely grasp or even scratch the surface to gra- to gain understanding of uh, what is the purpose of really or even the origin or even to to stand and look at genesis 1 and say why are we suffering again what why, why is there suffering again what, what to begin with what causes suffering There's so many questions that evolves around the word suffering. Why do people suffer? Where is God when it hurts? Why must I suffer? Why me? Why my child? Why my first baby? Why my marriage? There's a lot of why that we never get to sit and actually hear the answer, or maybe even to receive the opportunity that may present itself in such experience when we suffer. This episode is a special request from uh, one of our listeners who I met at our church and uh, and ask me if I can talk about really Christian suffering. So the title of the episode is What It Means to Suffer as a Christian. What it means to suffer as a Christian. In this few minutes that I have with you, I'm going to attempt to answer that question based on my own experience with suffering, based on the book of Job, because the book of Job is where I have learned to suffer gracefully. Let me say that again. It is through the book of Job that I have learned to suffer gracefully. What do I mean by suffering gracefully? 
when I talk about suffering gracefully is that I had come to a place of understanding that God is still sovereign and there gotta be a reason and a purpose in this. Not only the book of Job, in the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, you will encounter many stories of human being, human suffering, human hurting, human in pain. And you also will see the answer of how God interact or respond to human suffering. For example, in the book of uh, the Gospel of Luke, Jesus talks about this widow. We call her the persistent widow. This widow is going to this judge requesting justice over and over against her adversary. And uh, the word of God tells us that not only one time did she go, but she went to multi-time to the point where the judge, the earthly judge, said, I had enough of this. Let me grant her her desire so that she may leave me alone. There in that story, you see a human being suffering injustice. That she has an adversary and that she is in need of help. We don't know the full story. We only, Jesus tells us only the part of her going to seek justice. But imagine when we're talking about adversary, somebody, maybe for some it could be creditors or some it could be even um, disease. It's, it's ongoing a situation over and over. And the Lord says that she sought justice persistently. Then there's a, there's another story. We go back, uh, I'm going to go back and forth. We go back to Genesis. Genesis, there's another great story there of, uh, of this, what I call suffering gracefully of the story of J Jacob. Jacob has had trouble all his life, y'all. He has had a trouble from his mother's womb. He fought for his position. He fought to be included. He fought to be connected. He fought all the time to the point where that when you're reading Genesis uh, to, uh, 32, when he encountered this heavenly being, this heavenly being said that you have wrestled, struggled with not only with God, but with also with human. And, and you see that the tension that exists within Jacob, wanting justice, wanting peace, wanting, he just wanted to, to have his, uh, uh, what, what was right for him. And yet he did not always get it the right way. He suffered. He suffered before he got married. He loved Rachel, but the injustice shows up. Instead of obtaining the bride that he loved, he obtained the sister. Injustice, suffering as a result of injustice. And he waited. He not only waited, but he also worked. Y'all worked for 14 years before he can get his bride. He suffered. He worked harder. 
And then when it come to the time where God showed up, when he's about to encounter his brother, he's in fear, God showed up. And when God showed up, he wrestled with him. So the title of this message, what it means to suffer as a Christian, is, is, is just a, a, a snippet or a taste, I should say, of this topic. I'm thinking that maybe I should do a series on this book of Job where we can go. And I'm going to invite this guest uh, who actually requested to be one of my guests and share because he has a powerful story of uh, of a turnaround and, and suffering and, and seeing the hand of God in recovery. So let's let's talk about this book of Job. Why why is this book there anyway? <laughs> uh, we know that from the beginning, from Genesis three, after Adam and Eve had eaten the forbidden fruit. And there are consequences. The con one of the consequences was going to be human suffering. So it was there from the beginning. But why this book? When I get to think about this book, and I want to share how this book have helped me not to see, okay, so this is suffering, then let me find peace. No, it's not about finding peace in the suffering. Remember, the question is what it means to suffer as a Christian. To suffer as a Christian, I will answer this 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 way. It is first beginning, like in the story of the persistent widow, to know who is at the place of the authority, which is God, the judge, and also to know that we have an adversary, adversary, adversary. And that we are in between. I'll share why I like this book of Job. First is because you see that human suffering as a result of what I call unfair. Unfair judgment or unfair um, part of God to or heavenly being to decide to create this conversation. Joe, you or I are not even there. The heavenly beings, they have the authority. They oversee all the things around us. They see, they not only see the spiritual realm, but they also see the physical realm. We only are able to see the physical realm. In the spiritual realm, a decision is taken that has a consequence or an effect on the physical being. And I see first to begin as it's in, it's unfair. It's unfair, God. When I began to read this book, I said, that's unfair. Many of us, when we read Job, the first thing is say, we say is, it's unfair. It's unfair that God, ultimate God, the great I am, will put Job on a bait, will put Job on a place of what? Of, of, of testing, of testing. And yet the word of God says God does not test men. Here he tests us and he tests Job. He's testing you to see, didn't really Satan can get you. 
Can Satan get you? Satan being your adversary, can he get to you? Can he really get to you? And as I began to read this the first time, that was my reaction. My reaction was, God, this is so unfair. Like many of us, when we suffer, the first thing we say is, this is so unfair. Why God? But and then I say suffering graciously, right? The Lord began to teach me to look deeper, to read with understanding. What I never saw that I got to see in the time where I was hurting and I needed God to answer me. I needed God to answer why this is happening. Why did I lose my mother at the early age? Why did I have to experience postpartum depression? Why did my dad have to die a few months before my wedding? Why do I have to be in this space all alone and, and feel excluded, feeling isolated, and all these questions that are bombarding my mind? I come to start reading Job. And this question just blew my mind. So here it reads, One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered, The Lord, to the Lord from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? Mm. Have you considered my servant Lisa? Have you considered my servant Troy? Have you considered my servant joy? Have you considered my servant Ibrahim? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man, woman of fear, who feared God for nothing who fears God for nothing. When I came to this part of the text, it's right in chapter one. It gave me, it channeled for me the way to read this text. It channeled and created a new narrative for me of what it means to suffer graciously. Because as, as a as I read this question that the Lord paused or asked uh, Satan, it allowed me to think of God's perspective on the suffering subject. God's intent is not to what? To show Job to suffer. No, God's intent is not for you and I to suffer. That was not his intention to begin with. Even in Genesis 1, 2, 3, 1, all the way to Revelation, God's intent is not for us to suffer. He's not there sitting and saying, you know what? Let me punish you and see what you're going to do. No, right? When I read this 
verse 8, the Lord questioned, have you considered my servant? To suffer as a Christian is to see, is to be able to enter into a place where we understand or see God's greater picture of everything. Our suffering, it is not to harm us, but if we can pull back a little bit and begin to discern with God, begin to seek God, begin to meditate and, and understand before even we come to understanding is that we begin to formulate this concept of what is God's intention in the bigger picture? Of course, Job did not know that this, what, this is what God was saying on the other side of the earth, on the other side of the realm, on the other side in the heavenly court. We don't, he does not know that, just like you and I don't know. Our first reaction, of course, is why me? Why me should follow with what is this for? Then should follow with God. How do I keep or how do I hold on in this time? Because as you read the story of Job, which I love so much. Again, I share this is what had helped me through difficult time. Anytime I encounter any situation, whether it is deep pain, whether it is just a, a small situation or anything, I go back to this question. Have you considered my servant joy? And, uh, and when you be, when I begin to process that, I love Job's response. That's why I say that we might end up doing this into series. So I'll have to go back and break it down and figure out how many series are we going to do with this because I believe it's going to be very educational and a tool to equip many of, many of us how to deal with human suffering and, and to answer the question of what it means for us to suffer as Christians. Does it mean that we stand bold and strong or does it, what does it really mean? Or does it mean we are at peace and singing Kumbaya when actually we are suffering? No, right? What Job does in this book, I love it so much, is that Job began to demand justice. Job demanded justice, just like the persistent widow in Luke 18. Job demanded justice. Joy, I don't know how you see that. 
Well, when you read Job conversation, when his friend come and console him, when his friend come and sit with him and mourn with him as a result of losing his, his children and his cattle, when his wife is coming and asking, the, actually the wife was like the first one to be like, you know what? We're hurting, curse this and curse that. Yes, that's human first response. But and then Job teaches us what is should be our second response, or maybe our third response, because here you have his friends who have come to mourn with him, to comfort him. Then they switch and they begin to ask him, "What did you do? What's wrong with you? What sin did you make?" And you're probably familiar with this. I, I saw one of my friends posted on Facebook who experienced and discovered that she had breast cancer and just going and lost her mother. And, and these things seems to, to also happen like a sequence, like a domino effect. You know, one thing happened and the next thing happened and then there's the next thing. And there's the, she, she discovered she had breast cancer. Her mom just died of breast cancer. And then she's gonna, you know, she just lost her mother and, and not know how her finance is going to happen. Then her child is sick. And all these things that are colliding and she posted and say, I'm tired of people trying to come with religious comforting and telling me that, you know, God is, is still in control and everything. Yeah, that's not the right time. Yes, we want to comfort people. I believe sometimes the best way of comforting people that are suffering or hurting is simply sit down with them. Just be. Do you want a cup of water? Sure. Give them a cup of water. Do you want a blanket? Let me give you a blanket, right? And as you are giving these things or offering water, offering to cook a meal, pray for them in your heart because God is the only one who, and the heavenly beings on the other side know what is happening for, 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 for fear of us causing more damage. We ought to sit in silence with those that are suffering. Or as the scripture says, with those that are mourning, mourn with them and rejoice with those that are rejoicing. So here are Job's friends asking him, what did you do? What sin did you commit? What is this and that? And, and he consistently and persistently said, I didn't do anything and I don't need y'all to come here and judge me. I need God to come and justify what is happening to me. And I think there's certain level of boldness and understanding because he had developed that fear of God that he is able to challenge God and say, God, I need you to show up in here to defend yourself. It takes gut. It takes boldness. It takes one to step out of their pain, of their hurt, to be even to think that way, requesting God to come and defend himself. I need God 
to come and answer me why this is happening to me. Most of us, what we do, which I've done it too before I came to read this text, especially the verse 8 of chapter 1, is asking God, why me? And began a pity party. Why me, God, and become bitter? Why me, God, and become so angry and full of hate? Why me, God, and distant ourselves away from him? The only one who can save you, heal you, restore you is the one we separate ourselves from. Job is saying no. Job is saying no. When you suffer, seek him even the more. Request his audience. Request his assistance. Request his power. Demand it if you must. But don't become angry. Don't allow, James said, the day the sun go down with what? And not forgiving, with sorrow or with anger. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. Find a way. Find a way to talk about it. And why not talk about it in anger to, to God himself? He can handle the punch. He can handle the anger. He can handle it. Don't create isolation. Don't create separation between you and him. Instead, request his audience. And Romans 8 says this, there's nothing that can separate us from his love. Nothing can separate us from his love. No height, no valley, no mountain, no angels, no demon, not even Satan himself can separate you from God's love. So if nothing can separate us from God's love, then when we suffer, we are to demand his audience, demand his presence. And you will see in this book at the end, God does a show up. God does show up and turn the situation around. Another place that I do meditate on, on the subject of suffering, are the Psalms. David is another one who knows how to suffer graciously. He will ask God a question like this, how long, God, must I be must I suffer? How long, God, will my enemy mock me? How long, God, must I wait? Or you find it, are you finding this like entertaining? Or how long is this going to be before you come to my intervention? Have you forgotten about me? Have you fallen asleep? Challenge challenge the heavenly being challenge your god when you're suffering ask lord where are you 
and I need you to answer me now. Well, some of you will be like, well, that sounds like uh, uh, blasphemy or or that sounds <laughs> like, uh, can you really do that? If it's in the Bible, yes, you can. It's in the Bible. Do it. Jacob did it. Job did it. The persistent widow did it. So you you go and find these stories instead of looking at here is God who is all powerful and mighty and letting the world suffer. Instead, how about we we graciously approach his throne boldly, as says in Hebrews, approach the throne boldly in your pain, in your hurt, as Job did, requesting, demanding. Of course, you, you see Job also cussing there. He's like, curse of the day that I was born and the womb and the, and the, and the woman or the, the midwife <laughs> who came and, and presented the, uh, to my mother saying that you have a baby boy. He was so furious that he went and cursed his birthday. He cursed the day he was born. He cursed them, even the person he probably he never met who announced that you have a baby boy, cheer for time. He cursed and said, cursed are you? How dare you did go announce that I was born? But and then he quickly, when his friend showed up, he quickly come to his senses and say, I understand. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. I think the uh, the mistake, not the mistake, I think the, the trap, there you go, the, the trap that the enemy does is to make us feel that you did something wrong, so God is angry with you. Well, when you hear next time that voice, say Romans 8. Nothing can separate me from God's love. That's the beauty of you as a Christian. Grace, mercy, and faithfulness. You have it to be working on your behalf. Do not suffer quietly with bitter and anger inside of you. But rise up. Rise up. Like Job, like the persistent widow, like Jacob, and wrestle with God. Not away from God, but with Him. Have you considered my servant Job? To end, I will say, when God asked that question, what I learned that helped me in my journey and opened my eyes to the rest of Job's chapters is that one question. It was not, have you considered him so you can go tempt her and persecute her and do all that wrong? The answer I'm going to share this, right? Is that I came to discover 
that God was bragging about Job as much as he does brag about you. And as God is bragging about you, Satan in his pride misunderstood. With his arrogance, he missed the point. Satan was arrogant enough to say, huh, you think that the little creepy thing that you created, you think that clay out of me, that the people you made out of clay will not defy you, will not do. look at all of them. He compares you with them. Satan compares us all the same way. We all human being, and we all say that we all human being. We're all the same. That was his failure. And then he goes like, well, you have an edge of protection. If you take that edge of protection, then he would do this and that, right? He's constantly trying to figure this being out. And God asked him just one question. Have you considered my servant, Job? And the Lord already gave him the answer. There's no one like him in all the earth. There's no one like you in all the earth. Even, even if the Lord take the edge of protection around me, around you, it still does not make us the same. We are still unique in how he created us. And God is bragging about his creature. God is bragging about the one he created in his own image. God is bragging about the men that he said, there is no one like him. There is no one like her in all the earth. She is a unique, intricate, put together with purpose and full of life, put together for a time such as this. So you take, serve yourself, suit yourself, and see my masterpiece. What it means to suffer as a Christian is to realize that God has made me unique and I am His. And I, because I am his, I can gracefully, boldly go before his throne to demand justice. So, whether you are hurting, suicide thoughts, divorce, cancer, malaria, pain in the stomach, children left you or financial I want to say this to you read Job 1 8 
have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like you. You are blameless, the Lord says, and upright. A man who fears God and shun evil. The Lord is bragging about you. So brace up in the suffering. Don't become arrogant. Don't become complacent. Don't see the suffering as a punishment. But what is going to come out of it? What is God saying about you in this time? Father God, I hope I've done justice to the story. But at least I share the Lord how the story has comforted me and gave me boldness to face postpartum depression, to face financial hardship, to face motherhood, to face loss of mother and father, to face a different adversity that I have encountered in my life. That God, I found hope, I found security, I found treasure, I found hope, I found life, Lord. In the story of Job, in the story of Jacob, the God that you are not a God that, uh, that create distance, but you are a God who wrestled with us. Moses said, unless you go with me, Lord, I do not dare even to go with your angel. These men and women of God throughout scripture who demanded justice, who demanded your presence, who demanded your audience, oh God, that they wanted to be heard by you. You showed up, Lord. You did not leave them to figure it out. So I hope, Father God, I did justice to answering what it means to suffer as a Christian, Lord. What it means to suffer as your people. Does that mean the pain will go away? No. But it gave us, oh God, the boldness to rise above the pain and begin to seek healing, recover, restoration, reconciliation, oh God, and find peace ultimately, and find you on the other side. Knowing that God, even when we find you on the other side, you are still with us throughout the process. I give you honor, I give you praise, Lord. For those, oh God, who may have right now difficulty, suffering through different kind of things, that they will find you, Lord in the midst of the storm, because you are Jehovah Shammah, the God who's there. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, this is the end of our episode, but I wanted to share one other tool. I remember as I was praying, the Lord brought that to my memory, is the, there's this book. I usually, I do have like a book of uh, a list of books when I'm hurting that I go back and read. One of those books is by Maya Angelou that says, 
wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. Wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. It's one of those books that I did find comfort, that comforted me and gave me peace during my trials, during the time that I was suffering and hurting. It's a really good book that allowed me to say, wouldn't take nothing for my journey to the pain and to the sorrow, to the rejoicing and to the laughter. God is with me. Well, thank you, my friend. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. I hope this uh, message was an encouragement. And if in any way, it's uh, give you a perspective to think about, to meditate out, let us know. You can find us on Instagram on uh, Voice Imprint or God Imprint. You can also find me on Facebook, uh, Joy Kitanga, and leave us a message about how any of our episodes has impacted you. And if you would like to share a message and wanna, you know, would like to hear my perspective about it, send me also a message and we'll like to connect with you that. Other than that, I want to wish you well, blessings to you and your family. Remember, wherever you go, leave the imprint of God's love and find a church.